So all I'm looking for is, can we first make sure that somebody has the requisite range of motion, strength, skill, and awareness to do this without you cueing them from four feet away before we put them in a room with 10 or 15 other people and have them do it from 60 feet away. And I don't think that's unreasonable. At Active Life, we believe that the healthcare clinic of the future is the gym. Everybody starts with the best case scenario in mind. Never sell anything to anybody who is not in the market for what you have. The only reason we work out is to create the opportunity to recover. And the healthcare provider of the future is the coach. And this is why you guys need to get paid well, because what you're doing is really, really hard work. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Turning Pro on the Active Life Podcast. Larry here, and I'm here with Dr. Sean. And today we are going to discuss why and how to get personal training going with new members that walk into the gym. We talk a lot about how important it is that new members are set up with one-on-one sessions for a lot of reasons. What I think a lot of people want to know is why, how many do I need, how do they figure that out? I would love for you to unpack that for us. I would love to unpack that for you because one of the biggest mistakes I made as a gym owner was not doing this. And the reason I didn't do it is because when I owned the gym, I was in the mindset of we need more members in the gym. We need more members in the gym. And if we start throwing up barriers to entry, like expensive personal training before they join, people are going to say no. I just, I'm not confident that my staff can sell it. I don't have the time to get my staff on board that it's really important. I don't have the time to do the sales. So we're not going to do that. And that's where we were at. And it was a, to call it a fundamental error would be an understatement because it underpins everything in the way that the gym runs and it, it it reflects the values and all that kind of stuff. And I just think it was a huge mistake. So the reason why I believe it's so important that you do one-on-one training with your members prior to allowing them to jump into group. This is if you're in a CrossFit gym. This is if you're in Orange Theory. This is if you run a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. This is if you run a Fit Body, but I don't care what your modality of group fitness is. I believe it's imperative that there is a one-on-one element before somebody jumps into the group for a multitude of reasons. And I think that failing to do so, the only, the only plausible argument that I've heard against it when I've talked to people who are vehement opponents of it is slower growth rate, don't know how to sell it. Has It never has anything to do with the well-being of the client. Nobody ever says, yeah, my clients would be better off not working with me one-on-one. They'd be better off jumping into the group. The only positive argument to make that possibly true is that people who wouldn't join get the benefit because they didn't have to do the one-on-one up front. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I think that once we all get to a place where we agree, yeah, everything, of course, everything would be better if it could be one-on-one, but people won't pay for that. Now we're talking because at least we can agree that people should be working with us one-on-one. Are you following me? Yeah. And if people should be doing something, then it's up to us to figure out how to effectively communicate why. Especially if we're going to call ourselves professionals. Mm. You know, I think that people take very lightly, you know, before I get to this, let me just 
come out and say it so that people who are like, what's the thing will stick around and not leave the show. People are getting hurt in gyms. Period. I know you think in, not in your gym. If we sat down with a hundred gym owners from a variety of different gym types, CrossFit, Orange Theory, Fit Body Bootcamp, Nine Rounds, Barry's Bootcamp, whatever, I don't care who they are. And I said, do people get hurt in, in the gyms that are represented in this room? Everybody would say yes. And if I said, okay, do people get hurt in your gym? Most people would say no, which is interesting. Everybody thinks people get hurt working out in everybody else's gym, but nobody thinks that their gym is where people are getting hurt. And what I want to do before we go any further is release the gym owners from the responsibility of being bad guys and bad women. You're not bad people. You're not hurting people who don't necessarily understand the risks of what they're doing. It's that nobody would get hurt if they were wrapped in bubble paper and tied to a couch. But that's not an effective way to live. Of course the injury risk is higher when they come to your gym than if they didn't. Of course it is. Par for the course. Now the question becomes, is there an area from, is, is there, is there a, an opportunity, I should say, for you, the gym owner, the coach, to bring the likelihood of injury closer to bubble wrap on the couch than it exists right now while still giving somebody everything that they need from a fitness perspective. And without any question, without any doubt, the answer is yes. Got it. So do you think that there's a a misconception that in order to keep people safer, we have to take something that they love away from them? Absolutely. There's a huge misconception because that's not true. Okay. Tell us more. So people will like, okay, let's talk about snatching in group class because I've already, I've been crucified. What's that? People doing that these days? Yeah. I've been crucified for saying that they shouldn't do it. And when, and by the way, I love it. Keep throwing your fucking arrows. I love it. Well, that's why you did it. Yes. That was part of why I did it. I also did it because (laughs) they shouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. And people need, like someone needs to say it. Um, you know, I get, I get this uh, little side tangent. I get this, this criticism all the time. Like, you know, you, if you have a, you know, stop coming out against CrossFit. Like if you say it's good, stop coming out against it. If you, if you think that group fitness and all these boot camps are, are good for people, stop coming out and saying how bad they are and then how you have a better solution. What people need to understand is that if you think something is valuable, it's, imperative upon you to try to make it even better. If you just sit back and let something that's good stay good, you suck. It's your job to come out and help the thing that's good become great. Otherwise, what value do you serve? My opinion. Now, going back to what you were asking me about, when I say you shouldn't snatch in group class, as an example, I don't mean you shouldn't snatch in group class ever. I mean, you shouldn't snatch in group class until you have demonstrated competency at snatching without intentional eyes on you at all times. I don't think that coaches should be looking for breakdown in technique or or lack of technique in general in a group 
and hoping that they're looking at you when it happens. Even the best coach in the world can't watch the whole room at the same time. Mm. So all I'm looking for is, can we first make sure that somebody has the requisite range of motion, strength, skill, and awareness to do this without you cueing them from four feet away before we put them in a room with 10 or 15 other people mm. and have them do it from 60 feet away. Right. And I don't think that's unreasonable. Do you think that, do you think that a lot of gym owners have this kind of very vague, dull in the background, general anxiety around, we need to get people in here and we need to give them a very exciting taste of something because frankly, I don't know how long this show is going to last. I don't know if it's still going to be here in five years. And if we don't just keep people moving in here and giving them some taste of fun that they get hooked to, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep this ship going. Maybe at a, maybe in the background. Okay. I think that the, what's really more in the foreground is that gym owners, whether, like I said, whether you're CrossFit or you're bootcamp, they've been told by whoever it is that led them to where they are, that this is the way to do it. And that leader in any of them has not stepped forward and said, you know what? There's a better way to do it. And this is it. Okay. So, so, so you think that this is fundamentally because, um, they just haven't seen the whole picture. It's leadership. Okay. It's absolutely leadership in my opinion. And, and, and that comes from, and we were discussing this yesterday, if we're going to be successful as a company at doing what we're setting out to do, which is turn the healthcare clinic of the future into the gym, turn the healthcare provider into the coach, build better communities and societies through what people need to learn in order to make those things the truth. Well, there's a lot of leadership that's going to have to come from that. There's a lot of ideation that's going to have to come from that. A lot of shifting of beliefs that's going to have to come in order for that to be a reality. And we're going to ruffle feathers. And, and it's just because, look, there's an emotional wall that everybody has, myself included, around ideas that they believe to be true. And in order for those walls to come down, there are two ways to do it. You can take a wrecking ball through the wall and then expect that nobody got hurt on the other side and not understand why people are angry with you. Or you can go over to the wall and start taking it apart piece by piece with the help of the people on the other side. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what to kind of bring it back to my original question is, all right, so we agree that a lot of gym owners might feel like, hey, if I'm going to slow someone down and give them something that they really, really need right now, that's going to necessarily take away what they want. And, and you're telling me that that's fundamentally not true and it doesn't have to be that way. I'm telling you that what they want is not process. They but want they, the outcomes, yeah. They want the outcomes. And, and, and no doubt about it, they want to earn those outcomes in a very specific way, mm. right? They have preconceived notions about what they think is necessary. My friend does this. He says it's fun and he's getting fit. I want to do that. Mm. Totally understand. Totally understand. And it works. And that's why people are still doing it, because it works. The problem is, Smolov squat cycle works. If you guys know what the small love squat cycle is, it gets people stronger. It does work. And somebody probably hit a world record and said that they used the small love to get there. The other 1 million people who tried it have mangled knees, hips, and low backs. 
obviously I'm making up statistics. I, I, I'm basing that on the fact that the same thing for everybody doesn't work. That's all I'm saying. So when, or it works in varying degrees. So when we throw somebody right into a group class without knowing first and foremost, how much range of motion do they have? How much experience do they have? How much tolerance to load do they have? How good is their recovery? How much experience with soreness and achiness do they have? What, you know, how much skill does this person have? What is their athletic background? What is their training age? Without knowing that, we throw them into a group and they're in the group and all of a sudden we're like, oh, you know what? You're new. So instead of snatching from the ground, you're going to snatch from the hang. Do you think that most gyms are asking themselves that those questions about new members when they walk in and considering? I think that, I think that they're what I would call unconsciously incompetent. And what I mean by that is they're trying their best. They have the absolute best intentions in mind and they don't know what they don't know. So they've been told this, this, what we're doing here can be scaled for anybody. That is not a CrossFit specific thing. That is the truth for like I said, fit body bootcamp, orange theory, nine rounds, rumble boxing, like all of these companies scale. Scaling is not a new thing. So, and, and I would not suggest that one of them is doing it better than anybody else. So I want to be careful to suggest that this is a universal problem. I think that coaches and gym owners believe that that's the solution. When you see something wrong, scale it back and then make them get consistent at what you scaled them back to before you let them move forward again. But I think that the fundamental disagreement that we have as a company with any of that ideology is that a that's reactive. That is reactive. Mm. You're waiting to see something go wrong to fix it instead of being able to assess that something is likely to go wrong and then controlling the environment and watching to see whether or not it does go wrong and where and how to fix it before it happens in a group where you don't have an eye on it. Got it. So let's, so some member walks in, how do you determine whether or not they need personal training? How do you determine how much, how do you make these decisions? Great question. They do. I don't care if you, we, we just had a guy post in the active life coach members group on Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, Go join Active Life Coach Members. That's the group. Search it. Active Life Coach Members on Facebook. Uh, you do have to get accepted. There are some questions. Please make sure you answer them. Tell them what they're going to get, Dr. Sean. Tell them what they're going to get. Well, so we have a form that we give to the gyms who we work with. And I, I believe that this is in the PDF from today. And, and this form is essentially questions that you're going to ask somebody who's new to your gym to decipher how many training sessions do they need for the sake of injury prevention only. That sounds like a formula people can just plug in and get out a magic number about exactly what to do. It is. And the beautiful thing about this is I am not here to suggest that I know better than anybody else how to get somebody fit. I'm not. And I'm not here to suggest that I know how many sessions it takes to teach somebody a snatch or a muscle up or a handstand push up or an air squat. I'm not. I believe that there are a lot of very competent people out there, even proficient people who can do it, if not as well as me, better than me. Good on you. Good on you. I'm here representing Active Life to be able to help gym owners and coaches reduce the likelihood of injury that happens in their gym that might not even be their fault. It might not even be their fault. But if they can prevent it, it's their opportunity. 
right? So what I mean by that is the guy who's bubble taped on the couch doesn't know he's got a torn meniscus. Did he tear his meniscus when he stood up off the couch and felt the pain? No, but he stood up and he might blame standing up on tearing his meniscus. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now he's going to, so you're saying he's going to avoid standing up because that's when he felt his knee or he's going to tell people, Hey, you shouldn't stand up the way I did, you know? So, so people are going around telling people, Oh, I got hurt in the gym. Well, maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Maybe, maybe you already had this subacute thing going on that it was made obvious because you finally started moving and putting some load through it. Right? Mm. So we ask clients coming into a gym, the following questions. Um, the first question is, have you done this type of training before? So if you're in an orange theory gym, have you done orange theory before? No. Okay. Well, then I think it's important. We teach you how to row. We look at the way that you run. We consider the way that I think they have, you know, they do some dumbbell work. We consider the way that you, you, you perform this technique. What is the heart rate model? Like teach them something, teach them something. Second question. Do you currently have any injuries or movement limitations that may require the attention of a coach? Mm. Yes or no. Very simple. Now, I should add, each of these categories are accompanied by a multiple choice answer. So it's very black and white. And that multiple choice answer has an associated number of sessions. So if somebody said, no, I've never done this type of training before. This is written for a CrossFit gym specifically because most of our clients are coming from CrossFit right now. The answer to someone who says no is that they need nine sessions, period. We chose nine sessions because that's where we break down. Somebody is going to be able to learn and gain basic, basic, basic minimum competency in the skills that we believe are necessary to be effective inside of a CrossFit gym. And by the way, that includes snatching. We would want that person snatching in a class once they've been through these nine sessions and the way that we set them up is different than what you might think. They're not all happening right up front, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Question two, do you have, if they said yes, they've done it, but it hasn't been, it's been over a year. Add one session. Yes, it's been over, but it's been under a year, but it's been over six months. Add three. Cause we just need to acclimate to intensity again before you jump into class and think you can do what you used to do. Hmm. Do you have any current injuries? or movement limitations. If they said yes, add one training session for every two limitations that they say that they have. Reason being, let's test those specifically in workouts. Let's assess them. Let's see how your body does with them. Let's see how you respond because now we can do a training session the next day and see what two days in a row looks like because we have it built into the nine we said prior. Question three, have you had an injury that required surgery in the last three years? Yes, add two sessions. No, add zero. Do you have any implanted medical devices? How many gym owners are letting people come through with pacemakers and they don't even know they have a fucking pacemaker in? I don't know. Me either, but it scares me to think about, Mm. right? So ask them if the answer is yes. Let's do a session where we monitor what that piece of equipment is meant to support and make sure it can support it here in a controlled environment. Right, right, right. Number five, does your work require you to perform manual labor? The construction worker is more comfortable with aches and pains and soreness than the CPA. As a general rule, there are CPAs who are really fitting on whatever. But as a general rule, the construction worker is used to being sore. So let's not have somebody say, I couldn't walk down the stairs after my first day at the gym, or I couldn't get off the toilet or on the toilet. 
it's not a badge of honor. It's overcoaching right. or overtraining. So the idea here is then that the, the person who is unaccustomed to intense physical exertion should have mm-hmm. more sessions. Then. Yeah, because what we're doing in our, and what we're teaching people to do in their on-ramp is to acclimate people to RPE, mm. ready to proceed the exertion. So they're, they're, you know, workout one is a five out of 10 RPE. Workout two is a six out of 10 RPE, inc- incorporating the new movement after they've been taught them and demonstrated competency within the day. And then there's a repeat so that, you know, it's like the name game. What you might not know what the name game is, but they come back day two and they demonstrate that they still know how to do the skills from day one. Then we teach them the skills for day two. They come day three, demonstrate you still know how to do the skills from day one and day two. Then we do day three. Follow? Love it. And the sixth and final question is what best describes your current exercise practice? I'm a competitive athlete. Don't add any more sessions. They're good. They got it. I train the gym four days a week. Add one because they don't train the way that you're going to train them. I try to get workouts in whenever I can. Add two. I play sports on the weekends, add three. I don't exercise, add four. You need to give them more acclimation to RPE so that they can deal with the soreness, the aches and the pains and the things that are going to come from exercise. And when you go through this with somebody, you can tell them, look, based on our experience, we, you know, we wrote down yes for this and that equals this and yes for this and equals this and yes for this and equals that. And that means that we believe you are going to need 14 training sessions before we can effectively and safely put you into the gym. So what we have here then is a recipe to determine exactly what needs to go into putting someone in a position to hit the ground running in a way that not only is going to keep them safer immediately and long-term, but is going to ensure them better results and faster because they are going to have the machine that can handle it or closer to the machine that can handle it. That's exactly right. And what I want to do is because I know there's a lot of people out there right now who are hearing this and they're like 14 training sessions. I know you guys tell people to charge like twice the average household income plus 10% divided by a thousand for one. And I don't know what you even, you know, 75% of that for 12. And you have this crazy formula. Who's paying a thousand dollars to join the gym up front and then paying for the gym every month and the training session every month. Like you say too, I want to read this to you guys. This was posted in the Active Life Coach Members page yesterday by one of our ProPath gym owners named Chase Tollison. Chase owns Ardent Strength in right outside of Chicago, Illinois. And he posted this to both the ProPath group and to the Coach Members group. I'm going to read it verbatim. Just so you know, I want you guys to hear this because you need to know that you need to stop interrupting people about what won't work when they're doing it. There are too many people talking about what won't work, what will never be done, while other people are busy doing the work. And I want to read this to you. Chase wrote, I just added my eighth new member of the month, and she was the lowest front-end revenue so far at $665. She's been doing CrossFit since 2013. She recently moved to the area, and her old gym was 30 minutes from her old house because she knew she wanted smart coaches who would take care of her. Battling a wonky right shoulder after six months of low attendance because life happened, she did seven sessions to start and didn't object once. A year ago, maybe even six months, you tell me that you've been doing CrossFit since 2013. I'm throwing you right into class because I'm too worried you won't want to sit down for an intro and or see the value in the one-on-ones. My oh my, how times have changed. I love this journey. Also, Sean is not lying when he says, ProPath will pay for itself. My front end revenue this month is over 6K, eight new members. And that would have been less than $3,000 before ProPath. The difference, blah, 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 blah. And there's a healthy chunk of profit. I don't need to get into all that kind of stuff there. But the point is, 
people are doing it and people are thanking their coaches for doing it with them. If you're not doing it, you need to understand it's because you either don't know how to sell it or you talk about not being in this for the money, but you're afraid people won't join, which represents the money. Let's do a better job by our members. Got it. So in other words, the only reason that this kind of thing isn't happening already is because a people don't know how to talk about why it's valuable and get people to excitedly buy into it or B they have some delusion that it's not going to be better for them. I mean, I would argue a delusion. Okay. So yeah. Love it. Anything else that you want to add to that? A million things, but we don't have time. We're going to do another time. Thank you very much for that. I thought that was super done back. My pleasure. Turn pro guys. All right. That's going to be a wrap for this episode of the active life podcast. And guys, remember, remember if you are looking to enhance your fitness business, if you're sitting there thinking, man, I would love to be able to go on vacations. I would love to be able to take two weeks off and not have my business fall apart. And most importantly, most importantly, If you want to be a part of the movement that we are creating, facilitating, and seeing come to life, which is coaches and gyms becoming the healthcare clinic of the future, helping people who've gotten hurt working out, helping people who've been told they have to work out around that, having people be told they're too old to do that, find new hobbies. If hearing things like that for your clients is frustrating for you and you want to learn the skills to solve those problems and also get paid very well to do it, head to activelifeprofessional.com and let's get talking. Till then, turn pro.